Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, good people. Welcome to our show. Bad people, welcome to our show. Anyone who want to learn more about growth marketing, welcome. We don't want to divide people. We want to share value as much as possible. I'm so excited to discuss more about growth marketing with Christoph Trepp. How are you? Hey, doing well. Thanks for having me. Nice to see you. Yeah, big pleasure. I know you're active to share value. I often see your content, so I'm so excited to learn more. Christoph, before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background, and anything that can help our listeners to learn more about you. Yeah, you know, grew up in journalism, and that's kind of uh, why I started learning how to tell stories, how to connect with audiences, uh, talk about stuff that makes a difference, right? I mean, yes, that is ultimately what journalism is supposed to do. And um, that's what I did. And then at some point made the move over into uh, marketing and then content marketing, and of course, growth marketing, and, you know, help companies try to tell better stories, stay in front of their audience and be relevant. And, you know, it's a long-term strategy. It works, it compounds, and it's really exciting to see when companies do it well. Um, there's also a lot of people out there that do it um, very short-term, short-sighted, right? Let's run one campaign. I mean, you're, how many podcast episodes, Anatoly, do you have by now? Do you know top of your head? Uh, plus 500, uh, close to 600. Yeah. yeah. See, close to I 600, mean, and you know it works, otherwise you wouldn't do it. Uh, but there's a lot of companies that do 10, 10 podcast episodes or three, and they wonder why the strategy didn't work. So I'm very interested and always motivated by trying to figure out what's the right strategy. How do we share better stories? How do we get uh, in front of the right audience all the time and whatever channel it is uh, that they want to interact on? You know, um, maybe I draw the line at TikTok, so I'm probably not going to be dancing on TikTok anytime soon. <laughs> uh, you don't need to dance on TikTok. You need to be yourself at any channel. And I think it's better not to limit your uh, uh, possibilities, you know, to some common thinking that TikTok for dancing or singing, because uh, the most following person on TikTok don't dance, <laughs> don't sing, and people love him. He's more comedian, uh, and uh, and you mentioned that uh, people can give up after uh, recording like less than ten podcasts. It's common issue with any content because people can't get quick results overnight success. Success, but it takes time. It's not uh, sprint. It's marathon. You need to go step by step to learn. Uh, and um, I think uh, I like this book um, written by Jack London 100 years ago, Martin Eden, when the book offer didn't have any education, but uh, he loved to write. And he spent so much time to write. Uh, and he was denied many times. I don't remember exactly. A lot more than uh, John Rowling <laughs> with Harry Potter. But yeah, uh, he didn't give up because of loving what to do and became a great author. Uh, I think it's the same with podcasts. For example, Mr. Beast gave uh, tips. Uh, you need to film 100 bad videos. I think you can record 100 bad podcasts <laughs> to write 100 bad articles just to improve yep. your skills. Christoph, I like your background in journalism. And for me, people who have this background, they are creative. 
they don't want to rewrite. They want to create something new, valuable, unique. Can you tell how it can help you in growth marketing? I mean, like uh, this uh, journalism background uh, and how you unite with growth marketing. Yeah, I, you know, I think um, journalism certainly can help you. But I think what journalists a lot of times um, are not thinking about is, you know, they don't have they don't measure stuff maybe as much or maybe maybe they do now. But when I was in journalism, you know, we didn't measure like everything. Like we looked at how many people read an article. But at the end of the day, you know, it's um, it's more like, yes, it's about the numbers, but it's it's different than the numbers when it comes to corporate content strategy or corporate growth marketing. But what journalists really know is how to tell that story, how to frame that story. And then we just have to use a little bit of that. Um, I don't want to say growth hacking, but that strategic um analysis of what are the right terms what should we write about what do people care about uh what's of interest to people and analyze and then really dig deep and see what um what works and what doesn't um the reason and some journalists today might disagree with me but the reason i i was kind of i was saying what i was saying is because i still know i mean i still see newspapers and they say well our most read stories are not the most important things do you know what i mean Like this story that in the traditional sense wasn't as important was the most read thing. Well, it is most important thing to the audience, right? Otherwise they wouldn't read it. So it's just something to think about is how do you measure the success? How do you measure the performance? Uh, you know, when it comes to looking at growth marketing, though, honestly, you were talking about the quick success. I see that as a real problem in, in lots of industries. Um, and when I think of quick success, you know, Um, when you have a lemonade stand, right? I mean, I just drove by a lemonade stand yesterday. And certainly, somebody will stop by every once in a while, buy a 50-cent lemonade, right? But is but but it's not really like you're not building on a strategy, right? If you really wanted to make that lemonade stand go viral or whatever, or go big, like you would have a better, you would have an uh, evolved strategy from just sitting at the street corner, right? You would maybe do like TikToks while you're doing them, or you would invite people to come by, or if you're really going to be fancy, you can do like, you know, run uh, geographic, geo-targeted geo ads, you know, in that area. So people know there's a lemonade stand. I mean, like today, I haven't even left the house today. There could be a lemonade stand next door. And I don't know, because I've been here working all day. So it's like, um, so you want to think about that. There is like short-term things that can work. There's longer term things that can work. And sometimes I think when we focus too much on only winning this quarter, what about the quarters that are coming next, the next time around, next year, you know, and so forth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nice, nice, great tips. Uh, I want to ask about press releases. Uh, uh, my clients and uh, my company, we use uh, PR um, for the sake of get Uh, brand awareness to create brand awareness and create backlinks mentions uh, for our projects it can help to grow ranking on google and uh, what i found um, it's hard to write press release that journalists wanna share and most press releases are dying without any uh, Uh, success but some press releases can get great mentions for example we got mentioned on cnn business insider many other great resources uh, can you tell how to do it right i mean like how to write something that journalists wanna 
share uh, with their audience uh, any tips about that? <laughs> well, I mean, first of all, you have to think about what journalists, right? So if you, let's say if yeah. you're a B2B tech company, I mean, being on CNN, like, yeah, certainly somebody who wants to buy your product will see you just because CNN has a big audience. Or I think Fox News is even bigger, right? Like, so if you're going to end up on Fox News, maybe. But it's not super targeted marketing anyways, right? Like you're much better off being quoted in uh, a trade publication or maybe like a blog that that actually addresses the audience you're after, right? Like especially, you know, I mean, it depends on what you're selling, certainly. But if you're not selling a mass product that everybody would want, you know, like an, like an Apple Watch or something like that, I mean, maybe not everybody wants that, but you know what I mean? Like you don't necessarily need to be on CNN anyways, but let's play with the idea, you know, maybe a, tr uh, uh, a trade publication or a blogger or somebody like that. At the end of the day, you have to offer value, right? And you have to figure out how to make it easy for them. So I'll give you an example. You invited me on this show, right? And I'm like, I see your show publish all the time. Like it's all the time. Like every other day there's an episode, right? And then I'm like, and then I see people I know, right? I saw Morty on here the other day and, and other, I don't remember, maybe Jason Falls was on here. I don't remember, but but like I see these names pop up of people I actually know, right? So it's like, yeah, sure, I'll come on the show. And then I was invited on a podcast um, maybe a month or so ago and they haven't published a single episode ever. So I said, that's not necessarily a deal breaker because everybody has to start somewhere, right? But they said, oh, yeah, yeah, we have like 20 episodes in the books and we'll start publishing them at some point here. And I'm like, so why am I talking to you? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, why am I wasting my time? So what I'm, what I'm saying here is the same is true in reverse for the journalists. You have to make it easy for them. Like if you pitch something and say, hey, I can talk to you about this or we got a news release or whatever. Like you have to be available to talk to them and you don't write back to them and say, oh, I'll take your questions in writing. Like just answer their questions. Oh my God. It's not going to, it's not an expose. And even if it's, even if there's some negative things in the story, I mean, depending on what it is, like not every negative story is negative for the brand anyways, right? You remember, you perhaps remember the Nike ad, um, that quarterback, what is his name now? I don't remember his name now, the 49ers quarterback and something with a K. And every, it was so controversial. I bet you nobody cared at Nike that people thought it was controversial or that some people thought it was controversial because Nike's search traffic over Reebok and Adidas went through the roof, Nike. Nike is how you pronounce that in Germany, where in Europe, where I grew up. And um, um, and revenues went through the roof. So do you think they care that some publications said it was controversial? Probably not, right? Um, but you got to make it easy. You have to make it easy talking to the media. You have to be available. You have to answer their questions correctly. Um, and make it easy to be quoted, right? Talking sound bites. Yeah, nice. Yeah, lo love it, love it. I think when it's easy, simple, then it can help a lot. It doesn't matter what kind of content you create or relationships. And uh, I want to ask about your uh, background with uh, content strategy. Uh, once I spoke with webmaster um, who lost 400,000 traffic because Google dropped his ranking positions, but he didn't lose any sales. 
Okay. A lot of traffic, you know, and uh, um, I often see this issue when companies chase high volume. Um, it's hard. It's hard to get results in high volume keywords or high volume topics because overwhelmed, overpriced. Many other companies there, you need to compete with big brands. Uh, and even if you find the way to overcome them, uh, it doesn't mean that you can sell your products. Uh, can you tell how to create the right strategy that considers sales funnel, uh, buyer's journey, and can help to sell in the end? Yeah, so I think sometimes this is a very interesting discussion because um, it's true sometimes just because your search traffic drops and you're not losing sales. Um, but were the sales coming from the search traffic to begin with, right? That would be my first question to what you just said. Where were the previous sales coming from, right? So like saying sales didn't drop, like does that mean the sales remain the same from the website even though search traffic dropped? Um, yes, what yes. Else? Um, uh, yeah, this website uh, had many different channels to okay. uh, get traffic. Uh, and in this specific case, uh, web, uh, the website uh, had a tool um, and a simple tool, uh, a calculator. Uh, when people uh, came to this website to calculate some data, uh, um, that was about mortgage. Uh, and uh, but uh, when Google dropped ranking positions with this tool, um, website still uh, sells, <laughs> say, yep. uh, still yep. has the same sales. So uh, pro this tool didn't help at all, you know, uh, to get a lot of traffic. Probably it can help to create brand awareness, many other things, but it doesn't help uh, with sales. So any tips how yep. to create strategy yep. that considers sales funnel? <laughs> So I think everything comes down to, um, you know, are you first of all reaching the right audience? That's that's the number one thing. So how many of those people that you were reaching previously, maybe they weren't even the right audience anyways. I, did they do anything else? Was there an update to the calls to action on the website? I think this is a big thing. You know, I mean, my favorite story still from over the years is somebody said, this ad is not converting at all. And I said, hey, show me the ad. And the ad had, didn't even have a call to action on it. Right. Like how do people I know people should know they can click on a link on a, on a picture, but how do they know what to do? How do they know what to expect if there is no call to action? So um, it is absolutely true that if you drive the right volume and even a high volume, the highest volume possible in your specific vertical um, and you have the right conversion strategy that you will drive sales 100 percent. No, no doubt in my mind. But the problem on the web is that there's no borders, right? Like at all. So for example, if I'm targeting this audience over here and I'm writing some content that for some reason ends up in the circle of this audience, guess what? My traffic will go up, right? But it's not the right people. So, so if all these people all of a sudden go away, your sales will not go down but your sales will also not go up, right? So it's it's not, it's unfortunately not as simple as looking at just one number, right? You wanna look at who are the people, how do they get here? How many times do they also come back? Um, and how is your brand growing over time? So you wanna really uh, dive deep into that, um, but, and you also wanna be realistic over how many people are actually in your market, right? 
and there is a number because no market in the world is indefinite, right? I mean, sometimes people try to say that, oh, yeah, yeah, these people can use it at least. And maybe they can, but not today. Who is your market today? And then you figure out how do you how do you reach them and how do you stay in front of them and what's that right number? And, you know, if another market dips in, um, that's okay for a while. It might still help with, you know, some of the, the, the search metrics and everything. But uh, long term, you want to get the right people um, into the door. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nice, nice. Um, I open your LinkedIn, LinkedIn account because I like mm -hmm. opening LinkedIn accounts. And I see in your bio, uh, content strategies and implementer. Let's talk about implementation. For example, if we have a strategy and what I see when um, uh, companies usually add a lot more topics uh, and uh, different types of content than having resources. For example, if someone wants to write 100 articles for their blog, it's hard. You know, it's hard to write even one article. I sometimes can write a few weeks because uh, many other things to do. Uh, and that's okay. Um, it's better quality than quantity. Can you tell about implementation? How to choose priorities? For example, we have limited resources, time, money, outsourcing. But how to choose priorities with topics that will bring more results in the end? I have worked with teams, 60 people strong, and even mm -hmm. they didn't have enough people. Even they didn't have enough time. They didn't have <laughs> enough resources. Everybody always needs more resources. So it doesn't make any difference. Honestly, if you have one person or two people or 12 people, I certainly get it. At some point, you have to add people to do more things and to do different things. But um, you know, no matter how big your team is, you have to kind of prioritize what needs to be done next, what needs to be done first, and how does everything fit together. Uh, no content will ever perform, and I'm going to stand on this soapbox until I die, probably. No content will ever perform if it doesn't get published. The end. Your podcast will not be a success if it doesn't publish episodes. It might also not be a success, but at least you gave the audience a chance, right? So you want, you, you want to get on that cadence where you publish enough, where you get stuff out the door, and where you also are strategic about it. So yes, content strategy and content implementation, they certainly go together. But at the end of the day, a good strategy without any implementation, it's just garbage. It's just wasted money, right? Like, fantastic. So why did you do a strategy if you're not going to do it? Um, you know, yeah. I mean, it doesn't make any sense to me. I, I'm hedging because I'm sure there are some reasons why some people think it's a good investment because, like, their boss wanted it and that's all they wanted and then they're leaving or whatever, you know, but... In general, for the business as a whole, have a good strategy, implement, 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 test, 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 update the strategy, and keep going. I mean, that's kind of how that works. That's why I make a big deal about both parts, and I think they're both important, obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, many years ago, when I started my digital, that was 2008, um, I hired a team of jack of all trades. Uh, you know, someone uh, who could write content, uh, edit, submit, even promote. <laughs> Today, uh, yeah, I fired this team uh, because of Google, because of many other things. It's hard to compete uh, when competition is hard. And But today we have another team, team of writers who can write, uh, editors, uh, designers, web developers. Uh, 
Can you tell your methods of managing? Uh, if you're talking about content uh, marketing, it's it's huge. You know, m- many different directions, channels, uh, um, social media, SEO, webinars, a lot, a lot. Uh, can you tell how to find the right people as, to specific channels uh, and uh, yeah, about management, how to encourage them to create high quality content? Well, I mean, those are two big questions. How do you find the right people? Uh, I think it's easier and harder at the same time, right? Because I will, this is another soapbox I'll probably die on, um, is that, you know, you can have people work remote on a content team. The end. Why do I have to pack up my laptop to go to an office and it's way less comfortable than the chair I'm sitting in right here? And, you know, and then I work there and then I get interrupted all the time. Makes no sense. Like, why? Why, why, why? Makes no I get it. You have an open office space and somebody needs to sit there, but it makes no sense from a production standpoint. It's only a reason, right? Because people want people to be there. Um, but you can hire people everywhere, right? Basically, as long as they can do what they're supposed to do. Um, and especially for writers, like there is a certain level of like heads down, don't talk to me, leave me alone, let me work on this kind of thing. That's important. That does uh, matter. So we kind of want to think about that and then and um, you know hire people with that in mind uh, the job market is I mean it's kind of crazy out, out right now in my opinion I mean I had a job opening um, or I have a job opening at Growgetter for content strategist and I mean there was over 200 applicants in just like the first two days right um, so so that's it's kind of crazy if you think about it uh, management I think you know it depends on where people are in their career Uh, At the end of the day, you want to uh, enable people to perform well, to get their stuff done, you know, to 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 accomplish what they're trying to accomplish and give them a hand to do that and and collaborate. I think collaboration is more important than ever. Honestly, things change all the time. Everything changes all the time. Right now we have this AI tool and that AI tool. And, you know, I mean, it's like it's it never stops. Right. So you have to kind of figure out what works for you and what doesn't. And, um, you know, be collaborative when it comes to moving things forward. Mm-hmm. Nice. You mentioned about AI. It's hard to ignore this topic. Simple yesterday, impossible tomorrow. <laughs> and um, I spoke with Jeff Goyle, co-founder of Market Muse. Um, yep. One more great AI tool. And he told me that in the future, we will have three companies. The first company will develop AI. The second implement and third will be obsolete who can leave the trade and uh, uh, after launching chat gpt i spoke with a few big publications and uh, they told me uh, about stopping to accepting uh, press releases because of after launching chat gpt uh, they got a lot more requests uh, with generic information and um, of course ai uh, is not the golden button you need to use it smart can you tell how to do it i mean like what kind of prompts to use how to find the right channel because if uh, it's important to have this tool but how to do it right yeah well you know what for i mean for anybody listening of course jeff has a, a self-interest right for ai to be out there because that's what his company does um and they are actually they're one of the recommended companies in an article i'm currently writing for the growgrader.ii blog uh, but there is companies like it's going to be decades for them to have to care or worry about AI. Trust me, 
I was actually at a dinner or whatever or an event the other a uh, few weeks ago, and somebody said, believe this or not, but they said, hey, did you guys hear about Chat GPT? And this one person goes, what's Chat GPT? Now, this person works in construction, right? So, like, why would he need mm -hmm. to know what Chat GPT yeah. is? But uh, my point is, you know, and then if you, if you look at like how some people still operate, I mean, I was working with like some city governments recently, and like, there's a lot of different, a uh, lot of similarities to how they worked 20 years ago. Like for real, like they send letters. Could you imagine, imagine sending letters in the mail to people? <laughs> like what's wrong with email, right? Or like when you have to sign something, they have to, you have to go out there and you have to sign it on paper, right? If that was actually a thing to have to sign everything on paper, I would never sign anything, right? But like you can use DocuSign, you can use SignEasy on the iPad, all those different yeah. things. So my point is that while I use AI daily, uh, and I think Jeff has a point that it's going, I mean, like anybody who says it's going to keep taking off, I mean, it's already taken off. Um, there, there's going to be some places where it's it's not going to, you know, penetrate those markets anytime soon. I mean, I'll give you this example. Why, how does the flight attendant, how would AI impact the flight attendant? How would AI impact the person um flagging cars on the construction site on a road you know how will ai impact um i mean i don't know the the waitress right how will AI, i mean there's all kinds of things where or the person uh, that the cashier at the gas station how like <laughs> see what i'm saying like we don't have the answers so and we're like all into this stuff so my point is yes it will change things. It will make things easier. It will make some things harder when we don't use it well. But everybody, you need. we need to figure out what's the right balance, right? And at the end of the day, we want to grow our business. We want to drive revenues. And, you know, we want to build the brand. And so AI has a place in that. But we also don't need to overreact and throw everything out with uh, the baby out with the bathwater. The final thought on that is, by the way, uh, you know, I saw some companies, um, I don't know where I saw it. I, I assume was true, but, um, or maybe somebody got fired or something, but some companies fired people because they were just using AI to write their content. And here's the problem with that. Totally. I use AI all the time for different things, but who owns that content? You know, who is the copyright owner right now in the United States? Nobody, there has to be human intervention. So if you are a company that doesn't care about that, then you're fine. But like if you're a freelance writer, I would absolutely not use AI content creation <laughs> as the final mm -hmm. product, if that makes sense. So you kind of want to think about that, how you do that. And certainly I know your product can help people with that. And so we don't want to discourage them from doing that. And, and they shouldn't. It's just something to think about, right? How do you use it? And um, what are the current laws? And the laws certainly are behind. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and um, I usually tell you need to use it smart. Uh, my right. product, uh, ChatGPT, uh, for example, uh, I usually feed AI with the right data. Uh, for example, if you give the right data, then uh, you can edit content on ChatGPT. Uh, I, I can't. Uh, generate text on ChatGPT. I, I can, but uh, I don't like it. <laughs> uh, but when I write myself a bad copy, 
and edit on ChatGPT, I can get great results. I can ask, please uh, edit specific, uh, to my audience, demographics, uh, interests, hobby. And yeah, I can get great result with that. Uh, but uh, I agree, you know, I'm not sure it's a good idea to fire someone because ChatGPT can replace them. But uh, you need to teach your employees to use it, you know, use this tool 100%. to increase productivity because this tool can't replace them. But it can help them a lot you know, to get great results. So, yeah, I, I love ChatGPT and I'm going to use a lot more. Uh, and uh, Christoph, I want to ask about common mistakes. Can you list mistakes that companies still do in growth marketing and your tips how to find another way? Yeah, I think one of the biggest mistakes is not to have like a full funnel strategy, honestly, trying to figure out how do you um, serve the customer at all the different stages and then, you know, slowly be ready for or be not slowly, but be ready when they're ready. But, you know, kind of. Um, help them to move through the funnel. I'll give you an example. Content strategy, certainly you can see quick results once you get going. But I think when you really see content strategy work is over time, right? Like it just compounds and compounds and compounds. I mean, you're seeing the same thing, I'm sure, with your podcast. That's kind of how it works. Um, so sometimes people give up too quickly. But I think one of the biggest things is people don't have a strategy, um, or they don't figure out how to do it or or who should do it. All this stuff takes time. Um, it's just kind of like how you move things around, like what technology you use, um, you know, to optimize your time. But at the end of the day, somebody still has to do it. Um, I was on a call the other day with somebody. They wanted to know about live streaming and they had all these questions. And I, you know, I was talking about it. And it's amazing how many little bitty things there are like that, you know, and you know, too, because you're live streaming, but like that you actually have to think about while you're doing all this stuff. Right. So um, it's not as easy as just saying, hey, let's just go do it. No, you could. But but is it going to work? Uh, but you have to start with the strategy. What's different about you? What's unique about you? Who you're trying to reach? How do you know that's who you're trying to reach? How do you know that's the right audience? And basically go from there. Mm -hmm. Nice. Uh, Christoph, I want to ask about your strong side. You know, we have a lot of marketers, a million marketers, uh, freelancers, yeah. companies in this niche. So, uh, and I spoke with plus 500 uh, marketing experts and I found everyone has their strong side. So mm -hmm. let us know about your strong side, why you are better than uh, many other marketers online. Oh, my strong side. Th at least you didn't say my superpower. Thank you for not using, <laughs> not using that term. Uh, I think my, my biggest uh, strong suit is like, how do we figure out how to get content to perform? You know, like certainly I write a lot. I do podcasts now and live streams and all these different things, TikToks or, or whatever. But at the end of the day, you know, it comes back to how do we get content to perform? Um, sometimes, which is something I didn't do at all as a journalist, you know, that means you go back to an old article and you update it, right? And you update, I was looking at something the other day and like the keyword I was going after didn't really work. So I did some more research and I looked at that some more and I, I realized maybe I should go to this related keyword, right? Key, should go after this related keyword more. And I just made some slight changes in the content and and you know now we'll see what happens. That was just a few days ago. So I think that's like the, my biggest strength. I would recommend everyone to kind of figure out how do you learn that? How do you learn to to evolve your content, your strategy, and then truly push for growth. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. Uh, 
I want to ask about your experience. Uh, what I found that uh, we usually get uh, great results with clients, companies who understand SEO. If they understand, then we know why we need to create high quality content, what kind of content to create, uh, why it's important to think more about traffic value than getting more traffic, um, many different things. Um, if they don't understand, I tell them, take my course, learn from Lily Ray, Jeff Coyle, Mike Phillips, Chelsea Alves, go to YouTube, go to Google, just learn, get the basic how it works. Let's imagine you started today from scratch without any experience, knowledge, skills, forget about your journalist background, anything completely from scratch. What will you do today to learn more about growth marketing if you need to get the basic? Uh, well, I mean, that's a, there's a, that's a big, tall order. Uh, I mean, if you were to prioritize at the end of the day, uh, you have to start understanding audiences, right? If you, I mean, I, I like to say uh, you would learn how to write first, but writing doesn't do you any good if you don't understand the audience, right? So like, mm -hmm. I mean, people can write something that's a really well-written piece of content, but if it's not for the right audience, who cares? Doesn't make any difference. So you really want to learn first understanding your audience, understanding who you're trying to reach, what's the uh, unique differentiator and all those different things. And then at the, as the next step, you know, it's really important to know how to frame those messages. And really everything does come back to writing to an extent, right? Because if people can't figure out what you're talking about or, or, or like, you know, or even pay attention. I mean, it, sometimes it's not even like, you know, people, it's not like people aren't, um, they didn't, it's not like they didn't get the message. They didn't even see the message because the way it was presented, it's, it was in a way that doesn't even, you know, like it wasn't appealing to them. I mean, I just got an email the other day. It was one big long paragraph and I'm like, who's going to read this? Like what happened to paragraph breaks? What happened to bullet points? You know, all these different things. So it's just something to think about is all those things go hand in hand, but all the SEO tricks, all the dashboards in the world, all the social media trends, whatever you want to call it, they're all worthless if you don't know who your audience is and why you want to reach them. So really start there uh, trying to figure out, um, you know, where's your place in the market, basically. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think people are impatient to get what they want to get. So if you wanted to, um, I, I remember this quote, if you want to sell to anyone, you sell to no one. <laughs> so yeah, that's why it's important to learn about audience. And I have the final question about the future. Uh, Christoph, I want to ask you, take your crystal ball and let us know what kind of future will be in your vision and how we can adapt to this possible future. Yeah, so I think, you know, everything is so competitive, honestly, nowadays that uh, we have to go, companies will have to go past the whole just hammering people with email, just hammering people with stuff and really figure out how do you build that community? How do you build the relationship? So when, uh, you know, when people talk about you, people know you because of, you know, some good experience. It's not they don't just know you because you sent them 1,200 emails. So really that, um, and you can still send emails, even building a community, but you know, you wanna build that relationship, always be relevant. Um, one of my, my favorite examples on that is, you know, I mean, and I know these emails work, I've seen the numbers where they used to work. I 
who knows if they still work, but like those, hey, I'm just checking in, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, the like I get 12 emails like that every day, you know? And I'm like, or did you read my last email? And I'm like, I'm not scrolling down. I obviously didn't see it. But if you share something of value, right? That's when people pay attention. That's when people build that relationship. So I think that's where growth marketing will head down the road here um, to really build those relationships and then grow businesses because you have um, you you have people um, you know people know about you. Yep. Nice, nice, love it, love it, Christoph. It's a big pleasure to get on my show to learn from you. Tell the best way how to keep learning from you, how to reach out to you, how to follow you, how to listen to your podcast. Yeah, all that is on ChristophTrap.com. Feel free to read my blog. Feel free to uh, check out the podcast on there. It's also on dbtv.tv, of course. And uh, GrowGetter, GrowGetter.io. Check us out, uh, growth marketing, uh, especially in the market research arena. So always happy to connect. Nice, nice. Guys, you can find links in the description below. Listen us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Uh, thanks again for the time. Love it. So valuable. Guys, I recommend to anyone to follow Christoph. I follow on LinkedIn because I want to get something new, valuable. You can follow on other social media accounts, channels, uh, open website, reach out to Christoph and tell that you phone this podcast. Uh, yeah, thanks again. See you next time. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.